This is the Mile High Five podcast with Carl Jensen and Doug Cunnington. We have authentic conversations about the journey to Phi, health, happiness, and some very odd tangents. We interview Phi experts, side hustlers, people on their way to Phi, and those who have reached the other side. Join us every week, and if you want the show notes and links and all that other stuff, head over to milehighfi.com. Hello, world. Welcome to the Mile High Fi Podcast. I am Carl Jensen with my co-host. I'm Doug Cunnington. So, Doug, we've talked a lot about Die With Zero recently, and I think it's kind of changed the way that we think. Uh, today, we're going to talk a little bit more about that, and specifically, we're going to talk about paying big money for some experiences, which kind of flies in the face of the financial independence movement, or maybe it does not. We'll talk about that. So, today, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about my Taylor Swift adventures, which tie into that. Uh, We're going to talk about how these ideas fit into the fire lifestyle and also when it may or may not be right to spend big money on a crazy experience. But before we get to that, Doug, we haven't recorded in like a month or so, right? It's been a long time. Yeah, it was a while. You know, we were together, inseparable from like Camp Fi to Leadville. And then there were a couple other things like we were literally roommates for like a week or something like that. And then, yeah, I haven't seen you in a while. I've been busy. I've been running around. I think both of us had like travel and different stuff going on. So I just got back a couple of days ago from Atlanta. So have a lot of family down there and we had like a special occasion, a little party. So we had to go back in the summer, which a few I guess when we moved away, I was like, I'm never going back in the summer. It's just, it's too hot. It's not my thing. Specifically, some people love it. Some people don't mind. But uh, the heat and humidity is, uh, it's fierce. It's fierce down there. But it was a good trip overall. And um, yeah, made it back. How do you survive down there? Like one of the things we both like to do is walk around outside. And if it's that hot and that humid, it is it cooler in the morning? Like, can you go outside at 6 a.m. and get a walk-in with Georgie the dog? Or how does that work? It It is it is cooler in the morning. However, it's not like it is here. So even if it's the same temperature, the heat index certainly kicks in. So out here, you go out like 6, 7 in the morning. It's maybe in the low 60s, depending on what's going on with the weather. Um, and you don't sweat too much out here in, in the West. There, uh, basically, as soon as I walked outside, all my clothes were soaked uh, with, without much exaggeration. Like within a few minutes, I'm just like, I can't wear this for the rest of the day. So you kind of have to plan for that. It's taking two or three showers a day. And I didn't let the weather get in my way. In fact, I walked more. There were, you know, there's several days where I walked like over 20,000 steps and really put in the time. And I would just go, uh, in the middle of the day sometimes and just deal with it. It's hot and you get over it. Super uncomfortable. I wouldn't recommend it though. Uh, So you just have to carry a big bottle of ice water everywhere you go. Like, does that change from here? Yeah. Well, I just, um, yeah, you do what you can basically. So, and I sweat very readily. So I just, you know, wear like dry fit stuff and it kind of wicks off and yeah, you're just, you're just at the mercy of all the humidity. So now one cool thing I stay, or we stayed at a, which is another conversation. Maybe we could brainstorm, uh, like travel, uh, takeaways, travel tips, something from our recent trips. But 
we stayed at an Airbnb rather than family because we were going to be there for a long time. And we stayed in um, a town. I think I think these guys have mentioned, you know, Joel and Matt from How to Money are friends. They uh, they live in the town that we that we were at, and it's you know one of the towns that has like a town square and all that stuff. Anyway, I was just walking on the greenway. Matt was riding his bike, and I literally just saw him randomly. I tried to connect with him before, but I think my email went to spam. At least. They said they didn't get it. But anyway, I saw him. I was able to hang out and stuff. But just randomly, I bumped into uh, our friend while I was out on a walk. That's cool. Did he try to act like he didn't know who you were? Like... <laughs> no, funny. He actually recognized me. Like, he was zipping by on the bike and, like, slammed on the brakes. And, like, was it was like, is that Doug? <laughs> so, yeah, totally random. But you do bump into people occasionally, even in a huge, uh, you know, metropolis like Atlanta, like six, seven million people. I bumped into the one person I know in town. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. He did send me a... Uh... An email asking if you've had any stalker issues in your past. And, and, I don't, and it wasn't about you being stalked. It was you being the stalker. And I, I told him I didn't think so, but I'd, I'd keep my eye out and ask around a bit. And He has a lovely home. You know, I'll tell you that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Oh, so, uh, yeah, what's been going on with you? Yeah, so I went to Bloomington, Indiana for my uh, conference for my daughter. Have you been there before, Doug? Or? I passed through quickly uh, once. That's where the university... Is right. Yes, the Hoosiers, the basketball people. I think I don't follow college sports, but I think basketball is her thing, right? Yeah, they like. There was a whole movie about it. Oh yeah, Gene that's Hackman. Right. Yeah. What is a Hoosier? I don't know what that word means, but I'm, sh- I'm sure it's something good. Someone can leave a comment. I know a lot of people probably know what that is. Yeah, and we're going to have a listener segment that we'll talk about at the end. Speaking of leaving a comment, but we'll save that for later. So we went to Bloomington, Indiana. That was quite nice. I worked on the book there. While my daughter was at the conference, then we went to Chicago. I had some deep dish pizza at Pequod's, mm-hmm. which is excellent. The same pizza we got oh, for yeah. the Super Bowl. Uh, then I went up to Madison, Wisconsin for a couple of nights. We used to live near there, so it was good seeing that part of the country again. And then finally, I went up to Minnesota. But uh, one bad thing happened. It, it was pretty warm there, too. And we get to this final hotel in Minnesota, and the air conditioner doesn't really work. So I go to the front desk, and... And uh, they're like, okay, we'll put in a service ticket. So I get back from running around. And they're like, yeah, we fixed it. It, it, it wasn't working, blah, blah, blah. So I go on there and uh, I'm like, I don't think they fixed this at all. It still runs like shit. So then, uh, but I'm like, I'll give it a chance. So I got another real bad night of sleep because it didn't work. And then they finally acknowledged it was broken and changed the room. So I got two nights of really bad sleep. And then we went, we got home like a day or two later and my daughter had a 5 a.m. flight, which I did not pick. And I will never allow anyone to book a flight like that for her again. And when I have a flight like that, what happens to me is no matter how many alarms I set, I just don't sleep the night before because it's weird. Like my mind has shifted. Waking up to an alarm is kind of toxic to me. So I just stayed awake the whole night. And uh, after that, I got sick. So if I go a couple nights with sleep deprivation, then almost like clockwork, I'll end up getting sick. But it went on for like almost three weeks. It was horrible. I just super lethargic, a head cold. Like I can deal with a lot of stuff, but I've never been this knocked down for this long. Just no energy. I actually took like three naps and I never take naps. I think I've taken two naps prior to that since I retired. 
And it's finally gone now, or I think almost gone, but eh, it sucked in. No COVID or anything like that. I took the test. It was just some nasty cold. So Man. that was not good. I, I like my sleep. Got to have the sleep. In, in fact, I brought the chili pad with me for the trip, nice. even though it, you know, obviously takes up a pretty good amount of space, but I was like, man, I want to sleep well and we're there long enough where, you know, it could catch a cold or whatever. So yeah, I, um, <laughs> it's awesome. I'm sorry you got sick. Yeah, it was, uh, I don't like being sick. I can put up with a lot of stuff. I can put up with aches and pains or a head cold, but just the lethargic nature of feeling like you're going to pass out and having no energy, which is, uh, I don't like to sit still and I feel like I kind of had to, but mm. yeah, I'm better now. It only kills your motivation probably. I, like I had a little, um, I didn't have a cold, but like since I got back from the trip, there was like one afternoon where I, I was just like, I don't feel like doing anything. So I literally, I was like, I must be tired. So I just like rested for a little while. That was okay. But yeah, did you have like a lack of motivation, which is kind of weird because both of us are pretty highly motivated, even if we don't actually have anything to do. We're like, all right, I want to go for a hike or I want to do something active or work out. Yeah, I did. And I noticed I, I had these thoughts a lot and we're going to have an episode on health coming up pretty soon, actually. But th the thing I noticed was I could still get out there and take walks, but like high level brain power, like writing the book is probably the most mentally challenging, hardest thing I really have to psych myself up to do. And I just had no energy to do any of that. And secondary was probably working on the blog, just trying to use the brain, no motivation to do anything like that. Just um, walks outside. And that was pretty much it. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. So you're healthy now. We still have some other, I got, I got a couple other trips coming up here pretty quick, but um, by the time this goes live, I'll be back and, It'll be cooler. We'll be ready for, uh, or we'll be in the fall at that point by the time this episode comes out. So yeah, any, anything else on your mind before we get to the main topic? I think that's it. Cool. Well, let's, let's talk about this uh, Taylor Swift show. So tell us the story. So my daughter got caught up in the Taylor Swift ticket fiasco. And after staying online for like 10 hours, she ended up getting one ticket to this thing. So I'm like, okay. I'll see if I can get a hotel room down there, which thankfully we did based on a free award night from Marriott. So we got a room. So our plan was that we would go down there, check in. We would walk the two miles over to the show. I would drop her off and then come back and hang out in the room and go back and pick her up later that night. So we're walking to the show and I don't, it, it's something you should experience because all of Denver was like all about Taylor Swift. Like the hotel had this Taylor Swift music blasting and every check-in like podium had Taylor Swift crap on it. And then they had this like shrine to Taylor Swift in the middle of the Marriott and there's people making bracelets, which is a Taylor Swift thing. And the energy was just crazy. So we're walking to this thing and, you know, as you walk closer, you start like coagulating with more and more people and everyone's just screaming and yelling. I'm like, oh my God. I, uh, and I'll back up a second. I'd kind of looked at tickets because I'm like, you know, I'm a very casual fan, but if I could get a, a decent ticket, I'll go, but I couldn't like even the day of the show, the morning, the cheapest ticket was still like well over a thousand dollars for like an obstructive view thing where you can't even see, or you're just going to be looking at a screen the whole time. I'm like, you know, there's no way I'm going to pay that. I would pay for a nosebleed, but not that much money. And at least then I'd be able to see her, but I, I get there. I'm like, holy crap, this is something I really want to do. Like you get there and 
everyone was just going nuts. So I hiked it back to my hotel. And by the time I got back, the opening band was on. There were two opening bands. So I go on StubHub and I find a pretty good ticket for like, I think it was like $1,000. So I'm like, you know, this is crazy, but I think Ramit would tell me to do this. So screw it. I'm going to go ahead and do it. So I go through the StubHub checkout and uh, uh, I knew something was up because they don't tell you the final price until you've gone through all these screens and the ticket was a thousand. And then all the fees were like 400 and something. I'm like, no, just on principle, I'm not going to do it. Man, that's fucked up. I know, right? $400 in fees. What the hell? But I'd heard about another site called, I think it's TickPix, which sounds, you got to be careful how you say that, Doug. <laughs> but anyway, I go to TickPix, TickPix with a T. And they had pretty much the same ticket there for $1,000. And I clicked through and there were no fees. So I don't know how that site works. And they had guaranteed wow. the ticket and all that. But I think the seller pays them all. So I'm like, damn, I'm going to do it. So I did it. I bought the ticket. It was $1,000. Hiked my ass back there really fast. I got to my seat exactly 10 seconds before Taylor Swift went on. And I knew it was 10 seconds because they've got this big <laughs> countdown clock. And uh it was great. It was uh, it was a bit surreal. There's probably ninety percent young, eh, maybe not that high, but mostly young females, and um, a couple like parents there and stuff like that. But um, one funny story I have about the whole thing is I get to my seat and there's like four probably fifteen year old girls sitting to my left and they're screaming and yelling and they they could not care less that I was there. I was dressed like trash, how I usually dress. I've got my like DeKalb seed cap on, if you know what a seed cap is. And it was because I hadn't planned to go to this thing. And I don't know if I would have dressed any different anyway. But then on, on the other side of me, there's probably like a 30-year-old couple. And uh, I noticed the guy, like the guy was closest to me and there was an empty seat between us. And he keeps on giving me the side eye and like looking at me. I'm like, what's going on with this? And you could tell he was kind of suspicious. He thought something was up. So finally, th there's a break in the music and he's like, hey, hey, what's going on? I'm like, uh, not much. How's it going? He's like, uh, can I ask you a question? I'm like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> and I'm, in my head, I'm going like, what is happening here? He's like, uh, he's like, are, are you here by yourself? I'm like, well, kind of. I'm like, I'm actually here with my daughter, but we couldn't get seats next to each other. And he's like, oh, okay. And you can see this sense of relief like wash over his face. I think he thought it was some kind of like creeper or something like that. I'm like, no, dude, I just want to see Taylor. It's all good. I'm not a... It's good but, music, right? Yeah, it was good. <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny. The, um, yeah, I guess there was a chance that you were a creepy guy, but I, I was thinking maybe he read the blog or something. He's like, hey, do you, uh, do you blog at 1500 days? But no. He was no. looking out for the kids. Yeah, he was looking out for the kids. He he wanted to know if he should call an officer over there to give me a little bit of an interrogation, maybe a body cavity search, but it was all good. And uh, yeah, the show was really great too. She's a stellar performer. Like it was probably the best, one of the best thousand dollars I've ever spent. And since then, I've gotten into her music more. I wouldn't classify myself as a Swifty, but I definitely like the music. And a couple other real quick random thoughts. Like Doug, if you go... It's wonderful because most people there are, are ladies, so you go into the bathroom, no weight whatsoever. There are more ladies in the men's bathroom than there are men, which is awesome. <laughs> and I bought a beer there, no line for the beer. You just <laughs> walk up there, and it wasn't even that much. It was like six bucks, I guess. Really? Yeah. And that was it. I got like a nice microbrew. They had these spherical like vodka lemonade drinks with like sparkly containers, and that's what – that was the preferred drink, I think, for every – beer they sold they sold 100 sparkly lemonade <laughs> vodkas or whatever that thing was so 
Yeah, it wasn't bad at all, Doug. I would. Next time she comes through town, we should go. Check it out. Very interesting. And the the thing with the, what is it, StubHub, which is part of Ticketmaster and Live Nation or whatever, right? Oh, Do I have it, that right? I don't know. It very well could be. The interesting thing is like Ticketmaster, you can usually buy an aftermarket ticket on. Like you could resell your ticket. But they don't do it for Taylor Swift, and I don't know if it's something in her contract or what, but... Yeah. So I could be wrong with... I don't know if StubHub is part of it, but I like per my understanding, like those service fees are bananas where like they get the service fee on the initial... Yes. And then they get it on the resale, and it's kind of nonsense. And I don't... I mean, this gets into a whole other topic, which we'll not spend much time on. But from my perspective, I don't know, you know, as a consumer what to do other than don't go to shows because if the artists are not earning any money, then they'll do something about it. That's my logic. When I've talked to Elizabeth about it and she's like, no, the artists have to do something. And I'm like, oh, they're probably barely getting by like most artists, right? The big ones, they're probably fine. Right. But the thing is, I don't, I don't know how we like change that other than just be like i'm not going to any shows which we go to a couple here and there but it's like such a horrible uh, monopoly that we kind of don't have much power other than just don't don't spend money there isn't it do you remember when pearl, pearl jam actually took up this battle back like uh when i was in school it was like right around the mid 90s do you remember that not that well it, not it, that well it almost broke up the band because eddie vetter was like i don't want to support Ticketmaster. they're a monopoly on venues and all this and other yeah. members did not agree but uh I remember going to a show, like they would only play venues that Ticketmaster did not have a lock on it and that they could use an alternative ticketing service. And I, it worked out okay for me, but it was uh, like they took up the good fight and they've since backed off. Like they go through Ticketmaster now, but uh, they tried to bring them down and it wasn't successful. I think it would almost take some kind of government, mm-hmm. like anti-monopoly intervention. And maybe there has to be at least two ways to buy a ticket for a venue because uh, – yeah, it's it's bullshit. Uh, it's it's crazy, and I don't think I'm sure Taylor Swift has negotiated a really really good uh, cut of the ticket. But I know people who don't have the leverage. I don't think they even make a ton of money from it. I was talking to another friend who's in the music biz. He's like, I always if I like an artist, I always make a point to buy their shirt because that's where yeah. artists make all the money from the merchandise. So I'm like, man, I mean, yeah, exactly. Ugh, fuck Ticketmaster. Yeah, it's all the merch. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think, and then we'll move on. Last point. I feel like it would potentially, right, the government intervention would help. Don't love that, but obviously this doesn't work. They shouldn't have merged, right, uh, whenever they merged in, I don't know, was it 2009 or something? I, I don't remember. But um, the big artist, right, so Taylor Swift, like 80-20 this, right? So it's probably only like, a few of the artists that are bringing in the majority of the revenue and selling all the tickets at stadiums or whatever. And if they were, if they just stopped, I don't know how they do that. Right. Cause like it's in the contract of the venue that they have to do it through Ticketmaster, Right. Yep. So anyway, I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. I don't know either. It's kind of like health insurance is a difficult problem to solve. Okay. Anything else about the experience at the concert? Uh, do you think I'm crazy for paying $1,000 for a ticket? And a secondary question, is there any experience or show? I'll say, I'll qualify this with an artist, a musical artist. Would you ever pay $1,000 for a ticket? Okay. I don't think you're, 
I don't think you're crazy on this. We, it goes back to some of the conversations we've had in the past where like a thousand dollars when we were 20 or 25 was a huge amount of money, but now 25 years later, it's not as much. And it was kind of a special occasion. You had the opportunity to do it. And when you look at the opportunity cost of your time there and the opportunity cost of the money, I think it was a fine way to spend a thousand dollars and you had a good time you have a, an experience to think about and talk about in the future. So I think that's totally fine for me. That, that answered the pr first part of the question, right? Yes. And then part two, I would have to think about it. You know, there's a couple, it would be like bands that um, would be impossible to see. Right. Like I, I would probably go actually on one of our uh, road trips, right out to Leadville or something. We were talking about Led Zeppelin. So I would see Jimmy Page somewhere, probably. Um, depending on you know what band he's playing with, I would be a lot more excited about. There's other bands, uh, and I'll name them specifically, like the Black Crows. I loved back in the day, and I've seen them a handful of times. But they um, the the band broke up, and like it's a weird, uh, good behind the music story. But I'm like, ah, I don't want to see them. Like they played Red Rocks not too long ago, but it's really just, um, I think, a, a few of the original members and then the rest of the band is not there. It's just like touring musicians that are playing along with them. So some bands that I really liked in the past, um, I, I wouldn't go see them now, even if it was like a normal ticket price, if that makes sense. Um, so I'd have to think about it. There's a couple bands that I would pay a thousand or two thousand to go see probably, but it'd be impossible to see them because they're not touring or you can't see Led Zeppelin anymore. Or I really liked um, Chris Cornell as well. So Soundgarden or maybe one of his uh, solo shows or something like that. Any other bands on your list? Yeah. I right, just to back up a second, Chris Cornell had a awesome voice. I thought he was one of the best vocalists in, uh, in rock. Like, great. Maybe the best. Yeah. And have you listened to any of his like solo acoustic shows where there's like, it's, everything's stripped away and it's just like him and some guitars. Uh, I've heard some of the covers that were released after his death, like Patience by Guns N' Roses, Nothing Compares to You, that Prince originally wrote that Sinead O'Connor made famous. Mm. And there might be a couple others of those I've heard. Is that what you're referring to? Or Yep. Yeah. And I haven't heard the Patience um, version, by the way. But but yeah, yeah. Those Some of those solo acoustic shows, amazing. Yeah, great vocalist. Yeah. One last thing I have to say on this is uh, the concert, by the time you hear this, my private concert will be over. I paid the Webb Brothers uh, $10,000, and the show is actually the barbecues tomorrow, then the show on Saturday. But I was talking to my kid about it this morning, and she asked me, she's like, hey, Dad, can you remind me how much you paid for this? I'm like, well, it was actually $10,000. And uh, to back up a second again, we're pretty frugal, and we talk to our kids all the time about money, so they know – $10,000 is a big amount of money. So I said, yeah, we paid $10,000. Do you think I'm crazy for doing that? And her response was kind of surprised me. She's like, dad, I see how happy this is making you. So I don't consider this a waste of money at all. I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. I'm glad you said that. So Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. We got the the barbecue coming up. Is it tomorrow? What is today? Yeah, the barbecue is tomorrow. Georgia boys, I ordered all the meat yesterday. Hell yeah. That's awesome. And then tomorrow, is it just um, 
just like a hangout barbecue or they play an acoustic set or anything like that? No, tomorrow we'll just be hanging out and then there will be two sets on Saturday with a DJ set in between. Okay. All right. Yeah. One, uh, thinking about that, uh, Taylor Swift, how loud was it there? Because now at my uh, advanced age, I wear earplugs all over the place. In fact, we went to a Braves game, the um, baseball team in Atlanta, and it was so loud there. I was like, I, I need to bring earplugs everywhere I go. It was, uh, they, I don't know, they treat it like a concert. They're trying to get people pumped up because, you know, baseball is boring as shit. So <laughs> the... Um, Luckily, it was just the first 30 minutes or so. And then um, once the game started, it was a little bit quieter. E- even obviously when they're playing, they're they're not blasting as loud. But even in between, uh, you know, innings and stuff like that, it wasn't nearly as loud. But people bring earplugs everywhere. Like, you got to protect your ear. So how loud was Taylor Swift? Because it was like 70,000 people, right? Uh, yes, I had, I had earplugs with 24 decibels of, atten- of attenuation and I've already screwed up a little bit of my hearing in one ear, but just to test it out in my good ear, I took the earplug out a couple times during the show and it was really loud. Like I, I made sure my kids had earplugs and I made sure like they'll be at the show this weekend. I made sure that everyone has earplugs for that as well. But yeah, it, it was loud. Uh, funny enough, one of the earplugs screwed up my ear, shoved a bunch of earwax into my eardrum and I thought I had lost my hearing, but it's all good. Yeah. you were. I got a panic text from you uh, the next day, but yeah, you worked it out, which is good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. So what's next on here? Yeah. I just want to, Taylor Swift aside, I want to talk a, a little bit about spending big money on something like, uh, should you do it? When is it appropriate in your fi, jur- fi journey? Like y- you made a comment a couple moments ago, how... It's okay for me because it's not going to really affect my net worth or anything like that going forward. But what if you weren't FI yet and you didn't have enough money to retire, but this was you're in in the exact same situation or maybe a situation where you're a a really huge Taylor Swift fan? Would it be appropriate for that person to blow $1,000 on Taylor Swift tickets? Yeah, great question. I think certainly it is appropriate um, to do sometimes, I think you have to look at the whole picture, right? So if you look at just the specific dollar amount for one experience and it's like, ah, if you think about maybe the concert ticket and then the hotel and then some of the associated cost, it may, maybe would be, you know, 14 or $1,500 again, thinking of hotel, food, parking, like all the stuff that you have to spend, spend it on. And if you're, if you're thinking about it just on one day, then it's a little hard to swallow. But if you're thinking, hey, this is like nearly a once in a lifetime experience, like go ahead, like go ahead and do it. I don't know how to view it specifically other than I'm actually not a big budget person, but you could budget in like, you know, for example, once a year or once every two years, you're going to do some blowout thing where you have some flexibility. You don't know what it is yet, right? And you're like, okay, I have $2,000 every couple of years that I could blow on one activity. I'll really get a lot out of it. And maybe, you know, for some people, it would be a concert for other people. Maybe it's like baked into a vacation or maybe some specific experience. Like I I think um, for a lot of hobbies, you can 
go to like a adult camp, right? So I'm looking at one of my guitars now and I think you can go hang out at a hotel and play guitar with a bunch of other guitar nerds with like a professional musician, a touring musician that, you know, you love and just hang out all weekend. I personally wouldn't get a lot out of that, but some people might. So I think it would be all right. You just have to look at it, zoom out a little bit and try to be smart about it, I guess. Okay. I want to build on that a little bit because I think that I've made an error in some of my thinking around this. And uh, the way I've thought about it is it's worth it to spend $1,000 on something that will give me continuous joy. Like a guitar, I'd have no issue spending $1,000 on a really good guitar if I could play it because I'm going to be able to play it over and over again. And then I do the math in my head if I play it for a 100 hours a year, that's that's 10 bucks an hour. And then I'll be playing it for many years versus Taylor Swift, which was like – three hours. So I paid like $333 an hour. What do you think about that line of thinking, if anything? Yeah, I, I, it's an interesting, (laughs) it's an interesting concept. I, I'm pretty sure I would apply it to justify whatever point I'm trying to do. Right. So like for the guitar, I would say, Oh yeah, that's a great way to look at it. But for the concert, I'm like, ah, 300 plus dollars per hour. Ah, that's, that's a little tough, but you do get um, something that we talked about from die with zero is the memory dividends. And while um, you know, you and your daughter didn't sit next to each other, you still like share the experience. So like, that's pretty good. And then all the other 70,000 people, you probably knew a handful of them in there. Do you know anyone else that went to the concert? <laughs> I did lots of people actually. I okay. Think, I yeah. Think Dusty was there and yeah. Tons oh of yeah, people. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Dusty, Brian, a couple other people we know. Um, and there were probably like another dozen people that, that you happen to know that you just didn't know that they were there. Um, yeah. So I don't know. That's a cool way to look at it if you break it down on a per hour basis, cause then you could be like, okay, you know, 300 bucks an hour, kind of worth it. Maybe. Yeah. So I, I want to ask you about one other, one other thing, Doug, and that's about failing with spending money. And I know a lot of podcasts like Tim Ferriss talk about the value of failing at things. And I think there might be value in spending money, even if it's a lot, cause then you learn something about yourself and you get it out of your system. Like if I would have paid it and this would have been a horrible experience and I would have known I never needed to do this again, but I liked it. And I actually, I do the exact same thing. So I learned a little bit, something about myself. What do you think about experiments with spending money? I think it's great. I think people should, not just with spending money, but with anything that you can test, like, I think it's a good idea to test it before like jumping in completely. Now with a concert or a similar experience, you can very easily like, all right, I'm just going to check it out one time. And you can like incrementally do it, right? You didn't have to jump to like the biggest show (laughs) coming through here or like get a personal concert at your, the venue of your choice with your favorite band, right? You could have done like some smaller, (laughs) smaller tests, but yeah, testing things out, it's great because I've actually, I have some friends that um, they had like some, you know, big life experience uh, uh, incident and they were like, hey, we got to live our lives. Uh, we're going to die someday. And then they, they bought a house way out in the mountains and live there 
and then realized that it was too secluded. It was too cold in the winter. Like a lot of things didn't work for them. And then after about a year, they were like, we got to get out of here. We got to sell this thing. And they moved and the market was down at the time. So it, I think it took them like two or three years to sell. And it was kind of, I mean, it's a, it was a weird property like deep in the mountains. So they could have tested it out. They could have like rented a place for six months, had a nice time, realized it wasn't a good fit, and then moved to a better place. So testing is going to save you a lot of time and headache, I think. Yeah. And you don't have regrets if you did something and uh, you don't wonder. I, I think one valuable uh, exercise that everyone who's listening to this can go through is maybe imagine yourself at 80, like, poof, you are magically changed to 80. What would you have regretted doing? And then maybe figure out a way to do whatever those things are. And actually to that point could be a whole other episode, but we could like imagine ourselves old, but do you think it's more like things that you did and you're like, oh shit, I shouldn't have done that. Or things where you were like, oh, I should have done that. It would have been cool to go to the concert, but instead I sat in the hotel by myself. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it is the latter. Uh, and I've got a good one. Um, Smashing Pumpkins was my favorite band. I love them uh, growing up in college and they played a final show at this little club in Chicago and I could have bought a ticket for it for like 750 bucks. And that was, uh, I had a job, but still that was a huge amount of money for me back then. But now I kind of wish I would have done that. And they since got, got back together. So maybe it, it wouldn't have been the same, but yeah, if I could do it over again, I would have gone to that show. And I've been, uh, I've been listening to more, uh, pumpkins here lately, by the way, I think, I mean, I knew that you liked them a lot and you, you went to a show not too long ago, right? In LA. Yes, that is true. Cool. And yeah, I was kind of a casual fan and actually one of my buddies when I was playing guitar, like in early in my career, he was huge fan, his favorite band as well. So he was always like giving me uh, CDs or whatever, like, listen more, listen more. Um, the question, there is actually a question in here. That final concert, was it like the original lineup? Cause I know they had some, some churn in the lineup, right? <laughs> Yes, that was all the original members. And I know Billy Corgan who has since passed away, played on a song. And yeah, it was all the original people. Damn. And then did you listen? I think uh, Billy was on, he was on a couple podcasts in the last couple of years, but there was one, he was on Bill Maher's show not too long ago. Did you listen to that? I did not. I'm pretty sure it was Bill Maher. Uh, check it out. It's pretty good. I don't know if you like Bill Maher, but they just kind of shoot the shit okay. and talk about stuff. Yeah, cool. I, I have mixed emotions about him because I think I told you I met him in real life briefly and uh, he's known for being an a-hole and he lived up to that reputation. And I was just talking to someone else yesterday who uh, he's got, a, I think he lives on the North Shore of Chicago and this lady had a store and she would have to deal with him frequently and uh <laughs> she had the same negative opinion and you have to call him william corgan now uh yeah it's all tied back together he isn't billy anymore and he gets mad if he calls william. billy william. Yeah, william like dude stop taking yourself so seriously yeah. you're a brilliant musician but shut the f up yeah yeah okay cool what else do we got here uh doug i've got i'd like to talk about a couple things I'm going to spend money on for the rest of this year. But before we do that, Doug, we've got a new segment and we're going to ask a question of the audience every time we do a show. And my question for this week is if you had to spend $10,000 on some kind of experience, what would it be? And to be clear, you can't buy your kid like college or something like that. You have to do a concert, a plane ride, some kind of uh, 
experience and we'll say the experience has to be shorter than a month, I guess, just to put some guardrails around it. Um, what would you spend $10,000 on? And there's multiple ways you could leave your answer. Go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash mile high fi. We'll pull all these in the show notes, by the way. Uh, you can leave a comment on YouTube or you can send us an email. Is that Doug at milehighfi.com and Carl at milehighfi? Yes. Okay, good. You got it. No club. Is that right? Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, and we'll talk about it if we get good answers. When we get good answers, we will read them on subsequent episodes. Uh, cool. So, yeah, please leave that comment. Uh, so, I, I want to finish up here. And, Doug, I'd like to hear about some of your potential experiences, too. Uh, for the rest of the year, I decided I had to rent a car and I went on Turo and like all the cars there were like 400 bucks for the trip. And then I see like this new Corvette pops up and I'm kind of a car guy and I, I don't want to buy one, but I'm like, shit, for 400 bucks more, I could have like a brand new convertible Corvette and it's going to be in Southern California in October, which will be great convertible weather. And I get to drive down the Pacific Coast Highway. So I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going to do this. So uh, that will cost me a total of 800 bucks. I spent an extra 400 for the Corvette upgrade. And then we're going to see you two in Las Vegas at this fancy new sphere theater, which I think we've talked about before mm. the theater. I think it was the biggest man-made sphere in the world. And uh, I think it seats like 17,000 people and Mindy and I are going to go see that for a weekend. And that experience is going to cost us about $2,000. And uh, thinking on this right now, I'm not sure we would have done these even six months ago. I think it was the conversations with Ramit, and we've talked about that. I'll put a link in the show notes to that. Uh, whenever I think about spending money on something like this, uh, I picture Ramit in my ear, and what would Ramit say? And of course, you would tell me to do these things. So we're doing them, and I think they're worthwhile. We're uh, very fortunate and thankful to be in a place where these $1,000 experiences won't change our life that much. Do you have any good stuff lined up for the rest of the year, Doug? A couple things, but I don't want to make a quick comment on, on your statement there. I, I think probably at least for the last year or so, like you've been moving in this direction anyway. And yeah, so it's cool to see like you're spending a little bit more money. I think you have a little bit more free time. Unfortunately, you were sick for a couple of weeks, so it's, it's hard to tell. And then when I picture Ramit in your ear, I see him standing in a pile of earwax, you know. <laughs> Wanted to make sure I said that. That's disgusting. Yeah. So we have, we have a couple things coming up. We're continuing to travel a little bit. So we have a wedding up in Montana, so we're gonna be up there for a couple of weeks. I actually, in a couple days, I'm going to be going to visit my sister in Richmond, Virginia, and my other sister's going to fly up. Um, we haven't been out there uh, to see her new house. She lived there for, I guess the family's been there for maybe a year and a half. I don't even know, but it's been a little while. Um, so we're going to head out there. And after that, we're kind of, we're hanging out because it's been honestly a busy summer since early July, actually like since late June, it's been go, go, go. A lot of trips, a lot of fun stuff, but you know, we have kind of a normal routine, just like you guys, right? Like the kids are going to be back in school, all that stuff. And it's kind of nice to have that stability instead of like, all right, we have to figure out how we're uh, going to travel to this place. And like, we're going to be in an Airbnb and there's a couple of hotels and blah, blah, blah. So it'll be good to just kind of chill out. I think we have a couple 
small shows um, that we're going to be going to, but I can't remember what they are. They're, they're further out. So cool. Yeah. Very good. Cool. Is that it for today? Yeah. I just want to end this one mm-hmm. because we're talking about spending money on all this big stuff. But uh, on Monday I went for a hike. I mentioned I went up to Rocky Mountain National Park and that was so good. Just uh, walking around there, listening to a podcast. I took a bunch of notes for the book, actually. I like to, to do that, like get a lot of thinking done. And uh, we talk about spending money on all this stuff. But man, sometimes the simple stuff is really good. And like what you said, just having a routine at home and I don't know, going for a walk and cooking up some good food you don't have to rent corvettes and go to spherical concert venues to see you too <laughs> to have good those things are pretty cool but uh don't lament if you can't do these things at this point in life yeah exactly and it, thinking of just hiking and being outdoors when i hung out with matt and joel we played disc golf it's free yeah. right you just we walked around outside pretty nice day and i'm looking forward to hiking more because i i've hung up my uh my running shoes for a couple of years. So hiking is kind of like the exercise of choice and to get out. I mean, there's a plenty, there are plenty of places to walk around here in Longmont, but it's nice to like get away from the sidewalks and kind of be out a little bit further where there's not as many people and all that kind of stuff. And it's pretty close to get to the Rocky Mountain National Park. It's only what, like 45 minutes to the trailhead you went to. Yeah, it's great. Yep. It's a beautiful drive too. Yeah. Very good. Okay. So we have a, a couple places people can leave the comments where, uh, you know, you can go follow the link and what we're going to read them out at some point, right? Yeah. Well, okay. When we have good ones, we'll read them out. We'll remind people what the prompt was and then we'll read the best responses. Uh, cool. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, lastly, if you enjoy the episode, if you think this provides value, uh, we're looking to make some improvements so far uh, we are in the red for the show. So we, uh, we do pay people to help produce it. So we have, uh, if you would like to donate money or join our membership, uh, buy me a coffee and we will put that in the show notes as well. And a quick clarification, you get extra content if you, if you do that. So, uh, some people were very upset that we were asking for donations, but you get extra content there. It's a, it's a typical model. It's like Patreon. So just keep that in mind. We're not just trying to get a handout here to go on uh, expensive concerts, and all that stuff, right? Yeah, to be clear, like you've supported uh, help in Ukraine, people who are helping produce the show, uh, things like that. So, Yeah, very good. Yeah. Okay, we'll catch you all in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the show. That was the Mile High Five podcast, and I'm Doug Cunnington the balder host and carl jensen is the cool sexy one if you dig the show please do three things for us number one tell a friend a family member an enemy about the show we really don't care who you tell maybe forward them a specific show that you know that they will like it's the single most helpful thing that you could do to spread the word it's like giving us a virtual high five and uh, actually we don't give high fives in in person so the virtual kind's pretty good and more importantly your friend or family member or even your enemy will appreciate the fact that you were thinking of them. Number two, make sure you're following or subscribed on your podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, YouTube, whatever you're using, and that way you won't miss a show. And number three, please leave us a rating and review. We read them on the show occasionally, and you might hear yours out there on an upcoming episode. Quick disclaimer. 
this show is not financial or legal advice. I'd actually be surprised if it sounded like it. It's really just for entertainment, and that's at least what we're hoping for. But seriously, get advice from professionals. Carl and I are just two guys with microphones that sit in my basement and talk. So we'll catch y'all next week. So, Doug, you dropped an interesting fact about yourself. A long time ago, it was a while ago, you mentioned that um, Doug isn't your actual first name. And I won't say what it is, but I found that interesting. It is your middle name. And I hope this isn't privileged information, is it? Or? Not anymore. Oh. Uh, no, no, it's fine. Damn, I, I blew your cover. No, it's all good. So, I was thinking at the gym. I don't know what I was doing. I, was, I like to exercise and think about us recording because that gives me ideas. But I'm like, I wonder what I what Douglas and I are going to talk about. And I'm like, what, what did I come up with that? So then I started thinking, <laughs> does Elizabeth have a nickname for you or do you have one for her like that? No, not really. We don't, we don't. So that's a, a dead end of an answer. We, um, I think we usually just say something like, Hey, you, you know, <laughs> something more generic. No, but we really don't. I'm trying to think. I'll have to, if something comes to me later, I'll, I'll let you know. And we can confer with her upstairs on the way out. As far as my my name, you can imagine like going through school every single year, they're like, I'll say, I'll say my first name, William Cunnington, and I'll raise my hand. I'm like, I actually go by Doug. Occasionally, that information would get passed to the teacher, but a lot of times it wouldn't. So like literally every class, I'm like having to correct the teacher. And then it's really fun in like high school where you like change classes like every period. So you have to do that six times a day. But yeah, I go by Doug. My parents just called me Doug back in the day. So I, I didn't know any different. And you have the opportunity to like change your nickname when you go to college or whatever, because no one else knows what to call you. But I never, um, I never identified as a a William or a Will, Billy, Bill, none of those things. Okay. I, I thought you might have had one for Elizabeth because that's a lot of syllables. Elizabeth, four syllables, right? And I know sometimes in text you just abbreviate to E instead e. of the whole yeah. thing. And occasionally in conversation, I might refer to her as E, but I usually don't say that directly to her. So, yeah, it is a lot of syllables. What is that, four? Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah, that's a lot. Doug, it's fast. But the hard part with Doug is sometimes people don't hear you right away because it's one syllable and they're just like dumbfounded, you know. Do you have any nicknames, you and Mindy? Um, I'm not going to tell you what she calls me. You can ask her and see if she will tell it to you. It's nothing really bad. It's just kind of strange. It is not a real word, so I don't think there's any way you, you could ever guess it. It is just one syllable, though, actually, too. It's not far away from Doug, actually. Uh, but... <laughs> I call her, I don't know why we were watching this, but early in our relationship, we were watching that Michael J. Fox movie, like Teen Wolf. What is that what that thing yeah, was yeah. called? And Te great movie. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. Do, do you remember his girlfriend's name in the movie? No, no. It's been a while. It was Boof. Boof. <laughs> so as a joke, I just started calling Mindy that and that kind of stuck. So. Boof. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> oh no, a lot of people, no one call her that, right? That's just for you. Uh, no, they, they can call her that if she wants. If you go to Urban Dictionary, you'll get some uh, interesting results and on that name though. It's, um, yeah, I, I'll stop there, but it, it's also a kayak term. It's the, like, do you know what an anatomatopoeia is? Yes. Yeah. So it is an, an anatomatopoeia for the sound a kayak makes when the thing hits the water. And to be clear, to be clear, an anatomatopoeia is a word <laughs> that sounds like the sound it's describing like, oof, like Batman punching Robin. So poof, the kayak hits the water. Yeah. What a complicated word for, like, I, I hear it in my head, but I'm like, I don't even want to try to say it because I, I think I'm just going to get tongue tied, but onomatopoeia. That's right, isn't it? I think it's anatomatopoeia. I think there's T's in there. I mean, try spelling it too, man. There's T's in there. Yeah, I okay. think so. I, I don't know. I don't know. That's crazy. I would order it if it was on a menu, like at a Greek place. I'm like, yeah, I'll try that. I'll get some of the tzatziki sauce on the side. Pretty good. Throw some pita in there. Sounds great. 